Well, happy Monday, and thank you for connecting with the Reframe Brain Podcast, where we center brain health and unseen injuries. So delighted to have you. We are in month six of the podcast. The podcast is uh, six months old, and just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. We are celebrating 1,000 downloads, and we are on episode 11, so thank you for everyone that has been plugged in. If you're watching this by YouTube, Thank you so much for viewing us. Would also ask that you would please like today's episode and also subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you will be alerted when this podcast drops every first and third Monday morning. Also, if you're listening to us from one of your select podcast platforms, thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful to have you as a part of our expansive audience and would ask that you would please do us a favor and leave us a review so we can continue to uh, expand our community here at the Reframe Brain Podcast. Uh, and so, listen, six months into the podcast, and I'm so delighted because we're doing things a little differently in month six. We have a special guest, and that special guest is not only going to be with us for the first Monday, she's also going to be with us for the third Monday of the month as a guest co-host. So before I introduce her, I want to say to you, if you would like to get all of the what's going down with the Reframe Brain podcast, go to thereframebrain.com, connect with our newsletter, and you'll also get a special treat, which are five best brain health tips and a playlist curated with you in mind. So our guest that will be with us for the month of June, her name is Mrs. Kimberly Jones. And she is celebrating her 21st year in the world of childhood education. And that's early childhood education. She led classroom instruction for 12 years and works currently on the administrative instructional leadership team as the lead instruction and curriculum specialist for Rock Spring Elementary School in Henry County School District. Mrs. Jones has worked closely with administrative teams and classroom teachers to deliver timely professional development provide research-based intervention progress, monitoring tools for teachers and students, modeling effective instructional practices, and provide feedback of instructional learning on instructional programming, excuse me. She is currently a member of Henry County's Leadership and Development Cohort and Additional Leadership Development Programs. Kimberly Jones is a proud alumni uh, and graduate of Albany State University's 2001 Early Childhood Education Program, received her master's degree from Grand Canyon University in reading curriculum and instruction, and her educational specialist from Malden University in early childhood education. She was employed by Atlanta Public Schools for 15 years, DeKalb County for four years, and Doherty County Schools for one year. She is the founder and CEO of Intentional Intervention and Educational Consulting Company that serves as a platform to bridge students' current performance with specific and individual interventions that produce positive student outcomes. She enjoys, she advocates and champions for not only students, but parents and caregivers to present tools needed to see growth and progress for present and future success. Her personalized attention to each student and family has proven to be the bridge strategically built um, in building a solid foundation needed for achievement. Reframe Brain family, let's welcome our very own community member and June special guest, uh, Kimberly Jones. Welcome to the Reframe Brain podcast, Kim. 
Thank you so much, Erica. It is absolutely a, a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, gosh, we are so grateful to have you, not only for today's podcast, but yes. to guest co-host. And so we've got some special things. We're going to discuss that. Um, and so let me go ahead and say it early. If you would like to have your question answered by Kimberly Jones with relation yes. to education, you're going to hear the context of the conversation that we have on the third Monday when she comes in to guest co-host. Um, she'll answer those questions right here on the podcast and we'll definitely shout you out. So send your questions to the reframed brain at gmail.com. That's the reframed brain at gmail.com to get your questions answered by Miss Jones. I've already had a couple of people respond to the Friday newsletter that went out. So you definitely want to join the reframed brain family so that you can be in the loop of those things. So let's get into it. Um, I think that it's very appropriate that you were on for this month because um, in May, right before the Memorial Day weekend, we had um, a school shooting in Texas um, where 21 lives were struck down by a gunman. And of those 21 lives, uh, two of them were educators and 19 babies in a classroom. Your degree, all of your degrees are, have a focus in early childhood education. So before we get into you um, sharing a little bit more about uh, who you are, we've heard your bio and uh, your consulting firm, Intentional Intervention, could you speak to us as someone who is dedicated over 21 formal years in education, what are the unseen injuries? What are the unseen emotions that permeate professionals such as yourself that do this work, that have walked with parents? Um, you have been with students who have unfortunately passed away. You have walked with parents through very difficult situations Share a little bit from your lens as an educator of what this moment is like for people in your profession and for those families. Talk to us about those unseen injuries, Kim. Thank you, Erica, um, for setting the platform for that particular conversation, which is still indeed a very difficult conversation to begin to frame um, cognitively, um, socially, emotionally, verbally, I first want to give my absolute heart, my thought, my prayers to the community in Texas that has experienced this catastrophic event um, that we do not rush people to recover from. I want to honor the thought process that we will not try to quickly grieve and push this catastrophic, as I said before, event under the rug, we will dedicate ourselves to uh, looking at how we can be better. What does it look like to be better? What does it look like to be empathic? What does it look like to have human compassion and to form that human ring around this community and to say, no one is stroking your back to say that it will be all right, but we are stroking your back to say we are here. Um, and that's what that human chain is for. As an educator, 
I believe that it will most likely be very predictable to say that this hits in a place that is very different, um, but unfortunately not foreign. So I was sharing with a group of educators um, earlier and we were just being nostalgic about our years in education and just kind of playing a little bit along the timeline of years that we have had in education, who's a little closer to retirement and who's just kind of just tipping and scraping at the, uh, the glacier of our professionalism. And in our career, we came up with like, wow, we're sitting here with over 150 years um, amongst us of early childhood education. And the one thing that we stated we felt when we first walked across that stage and walked into our first classroom with our first roster, our first grade book, our first set of TEs that belonged to us, those desks that were shiny and polished and waiting on children to walk through and depend on us for so many different things other than just education, we did not feel afraid or unsafe to be in the building. We were very welcoming. Our parents entered, we had community stakeholders entered and not at one time did we believe that we would be um, harmed. We were just so eager and passionate and desirous to be able to um, reach children and to do everything we could to enrich those scholars. And so now, just to be in a space where that is the question, where um, shortly after we had awards day at our school and we had an entirely new safety protocol um, 12 hours after the incident and police officers at the doors and parents who were coming in um, with a very um, just dazed look, but still thanking our school for going through these measures to make sure that they could come in and watch their children receive their awards from hard work throughout 190 days of school, but also know that the community was thinking about their safety and their emotionality and the mentality that they must be in after um, reading about and learning of such a horrific event. So we are just going through this one day at a time, Erica, as you would say, one beautiful breath at a time we're breathing through these moments and I'm just encouraging people to allow people to feel what they need to deeply feel. Um, I know the way that our media circuit is set up, we don't have grieving time because it is on to the next tragedy. It is on to the next um, situation that is happening. It is on to the next um, thing that is being sensationalized. But I wanna encourage everyone to give all of those around you space and permission to feel allow this to affect you, um, allow yourself to vote with your feet and participate in advocation for positive um, student learning outcomes and just community support. So we don't have all the answers yet and please make sure you guard your mind and your heart, which you can endure and read and watch, do so. But if you know, that you are uncomfortable, jilted, and still very hypersensitive, in which that's understandable. Even myself, I have taken a huge step back from news um, media and that a lot of that has been just a shameless plug, the reframe brain teaching me how to cultivate my nurturing, healthy environment for myself 
And just along the lines of what we have just spoken of, I've taken a step back. And I know that when I'm able to step forward and be able to listen and hear, I'm giving myself permission to do that. So make sure that you release any unhealthy contracts that tell you you have to read, you have to stay um, abreast of it, because this is something that indeed um, is not going away anytime soon. So thank you for asking about that. And um, my prayers are so with the community. Thank you so much, Kim, for so eloquently speaking to first acknowledge and uh, the condolences um, for all family members, for people that are having to uh, bury little babies um, over um, a period of days and that will mourn. And to also acknowledge that though media runs from next to next rather, that we do have, as you said, and I know that you uh, do enjoy the book, Permission to Feel. Yes. Um, allow ourselves the, that opportunity um, because we all were impacted by that um, some way or another, some more deeply. Uh, whatever the impact, allow ourselves that time to process those emotions. And as you also said, be very aware of what you can manage and handle because the story is continuing to unfold. Do not feel as though you have to be connected to the conversations that are inevitably taking place across all social media platforms, um, that it is okay to say, I'm taking a step back. You don't have to like or engage posts um, to feel like, well, I don't want to feel or make it seem as though I am not feeling, no, no, check in with you. If you know that you're not in a good place um, and ready to kind of be in that place of social media posts, conversations, that it is very good to acknowledge that and to step away and take a step back from that. Um, thank you for sharing um, what your particular school did and how you all were able to provide access to parents to celebrate their babies for the hard work, as you said, for the 190 days. Thank you for sharing all of that. We, we definitely do appreciate you and your work. And so glad that you and your colleagues were able to commiserate um, and give each other shoulders to lean on, to laugh with, and to express um, the deep feelings that you all were feeling. Um, thank you for bringing us a little bit closer to uh, being behind the velvet rope of educators. Um, and in you talking about that, um, that leads me to, you talked about being at this table with these wonderful educators, your colleagues, and this 150 year experience um, that you all share. So could you invite us uh, to share a little bit more around the institution that shaped your formal experience? I love the way you describe you and your colleagues having that experience, your first year, your first teaching job, seeing those shiny desks, having all of your materials ready, uh, very eager to go and share this knowledge that you've gotten from this formal institution. You are a undergrad of the unsinkable Albany State University at HBCU, that's um, historically black college and university. So talk to us about the programming that really um, brought this um, phenomenal woman that we have on our podcast today. 
Oh, gosh, thank you um, for that beautiful introduction. Um, but yes, absolutely. I am an, a proud alumni, and I do say that very much so assertively, a proud alumni of Albany State um, University, class of 2001, under the direct supervision of Dr. Audrey Beard as our supervising teacher there um, those years at Albany State University. Um, my major was in early, early childhood, excuse me, education. Um, certified pre-K through five. Um, and that is all I have ever wanted to do in my life. Started very early um, from the age of six, knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And that was to be a teacher, um, standing up the only student in the class in Mrs. Falk's first grade class to state that I want to be a teacher that will be my career. And that is what um, I have been so blessed to be able to do all of these 21 years is to be in early childhood education. Um, I def definitely pursued my master's degree um, in reading curriculum and instruction, and that has been extremely beneficial to me as I have been endorsed as a reading specialist and being able to just be a bit of a diagnostician as it relates to early childhood reading. Um, and I also have my specialist degree, Walden University, um, in which I also majored in early childhood education. I am just that much in love with human, uh, human growth and development in early childhood, as one could see. Um, I am very excited right now to be a bit at a different uh, juncture in life where I came out of Atlanta public schools for 15 years. The bulk of my career was in Atlanta um, in the urban sector, um, that university going on down to the downtown area, Hank Aaron and spreading a little bit abroad. Um, that was the trajectory in the, the large part of my career where I did work with underserved communities. Um, of parents, children, and just other community leaders. Um, the work there was amazing. Um, a lot of sweat equity, sometimes where we did have the privilege and the honor to move the needle. I was able to coach there. I was able to be over tiered interventions there, several different leadership roles, several different district presentations um, in which I was able to passionately work and fight and advocate for our children. Um, and I did know when it was time for me to close that chapter at that time. And so now I have taken a different turn where I am still in early childhood education, but I'm working in Henry County School District. And there I am leading the way with uh, curriculum and instruction. And it has provided some amazing challenges and learning curves, as well as some um, opportunities to plant some wonderful seeds from the great things I learned in the city of Atlanta. So Atlanta will always have my heart. And when I'm able to go back, as, uh, as recently as a couple of months ago, I did go back and do some presentation there on social emotional learning and being able to make sure that teachers understand the importance of allowing children and themselves the ability and the permission to feel. Um, and so I'm always excited about those opportunities to return. But at this time, I am in Henry County School District and just excited about the things that are upcoming there. And I love that you talked about returning back to um, the system that shaped you um, working in those particular environments. And I know that you've mentioned that they are underserved, but in previous conversations, um, you also made the caveat that not in um, their dynamic, they are dynamic, bright, um, excellent um, scholars uh, that you had the privilege of 
helping to shape and mold um, and to um, ensure that their parents, which I love that you always have that connection, not just with the student, but you talk about the connection with the parent, with the community. There yeah. is that tiered, as you mentioned, tiered um, in your particular um, uh, model of learning that you also have that tiered connection, those tiered relationships as well, understanding that the healthier, the caregiver, the community, those leaders, um, yes. and the awareness that they have are, then the healthier the child um, is as well. And yes. so the social um, emotional learning that you provided, I'm really interested in that. I want to talk a little bit more around that because March 13th, 2020, you also shared that that was when education made a sharp turn for you. You yes. all um, within the educational system there in Georgia were told that, listen, don't return to work. You'll come back in a couple of weeks and a couple of weeks turned into several months. Um, there was tremendous learning loss and it's yes. um, happened not just here within the States, but it is global. Um, was listening to the World Bank, their spring conference um, about a month or so ago and listening to um, different leaders, women leaders, um, as a matter of fact, the president um, of the Republic of um, um, Tanzania, um, different leaders from all around the globe talking about um, the really sharp learning losses that their specific country um, of students um, have faced. And so um, Brookings Institute provided a report um, in March that outlined severe shortages in education, um, lost instructional time and mental health challenges. And I wanna just read a little bit um, front of the advisory that the U.S. Surgeon General issued in December of 2021, specifically on youth mental health crisis further exposed by COVID-19 pandemic. Just going to read um, a little bit of it where he talks about um, before the pandemic, mental health challenges were the leading cause of disability and poor life outcomes in young people with one in five children ages three to 17 um, in the U.S. having mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. He goes on to talk about the pandemic added to the pre-existing challenges that America's youth face. It disrupted the lives of children and adolescents, such as in-person schooling, in-person social opportunities with peers and mentors, access to social opportunities with peers and mentors, access to health care and social services, food, housing, and the health of their caregivers. Everything that you named uh, with regard to what you do as an educator, what you do as a founder and CEO of Intentional Intervention directly speaks to this. And when we think about education, it's not just a place where children go to learn. Here again, we're hearing opportunities with peers, mentors, access to healthcare, social services, food, housing, and then the health of their caregivers. So that in itself, um, Ms. Jones, is definitely um, very tiered. Talk to us a little bit around when you all got that notification and some of what you all have had to move through as you continue to move alongside the pandemic as educators. Um, yes, Erica, and those are some very resounding statistics but yet those are statistics that are extremely realistic. 
Um, I This was the hugest shift I've ever experienced in my career when we went home on March 13th. Um, and it's amazing because me and some of my colleagues talk about it because I was literally in New York two weeks before um, and just enjoying and not even thinking about any parts of a global pandemic on the subway, um, going through the boroughs, shopping, just enjoying a great time in Manhattan um, in Brooklyn, I did not have any idea that this was going to take place. I was actually up there for a conference and coming back to re-deliver that content only to find out that we were going to be out. And I, like most other educators, I definitely saw two weeks as, okay, let's make sure we deep clean. Let's make sure that, you know, the facilities are safe. Let's make sure that students feel secure about learning, being that this is going to be something that is global. I looked at it as episodic only for us to get into this and realize this was gonna shift the entire way that we educate students. Um, so this was what we call a huge paradigm shift in education. So those shifts are shifts that take us where we completely walk out of one practice of how we educate students and we step into a brand new practice in which we then have to build efficacy. And so there was a lot of efficacy that had to be built um, with our teachers who were not very familiar with working technology in a way to engage students and also our students then having to be in a place where they had to engage through the screen and where we saw a lot of um, carnage happen is that our students were not prepared to have those screens on they were not prepared to welcome their entire classroom into their home by way of background. Um, and this is where we were at the beginning where there was not a lot of familiarity or access for students to change their virtual backgrounds when we first started um, virtual teaching and learning. And so students um, were constantly blacking screens out. And I remember having to have several conver conversations with educators that we were not going to penalize students for having blacked out screens. This is a new experience for all of us. And if we're going deeper into the social and the emotional and the uh, post-traumatic and other parts of how our children actually receive information and how they work through it, so many of our children were actually dealing with shame and embarrassment. Um, not wanting others to see their background, not wanting others to see the several people that lived in their home, also looking to, into situations where children were not wanting to look at themselves and not knowing how to use the control panel to know that they didn't have to have that camera where they were forward facing looking at all times. And so even dealing with self-imaging issues, which you know, that is another part of our brain wiring when we're having to psychologically look at ourselves, but we do not like what is looking back at us. And if we think about as adults, that is very difficult for us to ingest when we are dealing with that. And when we're dealing with children who do not yet have full executive functioning and full even emotional functioning over how they deal with emotionality, that is extremely difficult. Um, I also was bringing to the attention of reading several articles over the course of when we had the height of the pandemic that we were taking away a lot of safety when children were having to stay at home during the global pandemic without choice. Children that were being exposed to constantly being with around their victimizer. Children that were in the home with the person that was violently, violently excuse me, abusing them 
children that were experiencing chronic sexual abuse, verbal abuse. Um, the Chicago Tribune was reporting quite a few stories of children that were learning how to be savvy with the system where they were turning their cameras where teachers could see that they were being abused um, to be able to have um, some form of help because they could not yell help. They instead allowed the world to see what they were enduring daily. So though this was a safety measure to make sure that our children did not have exposure or even higher overexposure to the virus, the pandemic, um, it was also a place of great grief um, and a lot of different sufferings and post-traumatic episodes and children being right there in um, the den of a lot of the abuse that they experience. And being at school face-to-face provides children. I want everyone to know that. You have to know, and myself dealing with underserved communities, but like I said, but like you said, Erica, dynamic and beautiful gems who are absolutely ready to learn, but deal with a lot of adversity and um, are very much so displaying a lot of resilience that we're not even aware of so many times. But this was a place of security for children. School becomes a safe haven. They know they will eat two hot meals. They know that they will be able to be loved by other adults. They know that they will not have to worry about inappropriate behavior coming from that adult, or they will not have to worry about violent tendencies. School becomes what we call a shelter. And so taking that shelter away and students having to sit in a space where they can consider um, just a den of horror for some of our children, just to be very um, blunt and just speak with candor, um, was very difficult moving through this. And so a lot of different counseling sessions I had to set up and connect for our children, um, just making sure that their emotionality was respected, making sure they were going to get that different wraparound, um, those different wraparound services, excuse me, that were needed. And so we have lost more than just instructional um, practices and children's mental ability to be able to hold information. We have also lost parts of children's self-esteem. Um, we've lost parts of the psychological process in which children need to see other children and they need to be around other adults and they need to have more than just their home as the place of where they learn. Um, school is a microcosm, right, of the real world. It's a microcosm of um, secondary and post-education um, life. And so we are getting to a place where we are reframing um, how we see education. And I am just encouraging all my fellow educators my parents, which I'll definitely speak to that as well. How do we now engage and reach our children as we have experienced this shift? Wow. Thank you so, so much for speaking to specifically us, uh, the Reframe Brain podcast community, but everyone that's listening that is a parent and a caregiver to really bring us into what children, and we have to think about this as well too, for as much as people believe that children, and I know that I've said it, they come into the world and it seems like there's a little bit more enlightenment that they have because they're coming into a space of advanced technology. Yes. It's, um, you see babies, their eyes are bright, they're open when they're newborns. They're still babies, they're still children. 
And for children have to have to experience a pandemic. And in addition to that, as you so, um, it was um, just a real heart moment to really share how children had to be savvy, not only with technology, but also calling out people that are in their homes that are predators, that are abusers, yes, um, that are criminals, uh, yes. people, uh, adults who um, make it their um, their work to really prey on children, traffickers, um, mm-hmm. adults with addictions and habits that should not have um that should not include children and that these children had to as babies advocate for themselves um with the risk of as you said the whole world seeing so just very very grateful for educators such as yourself that are so tapped in uh to the students um to that tiered um um, level of relationship that we we talked about before because you have said also in earlier conversation that children did bear the brunt of this pandemic. And you've really brought us in further, Kim, um, to share um, what that looked like. And so I want to move into, because you have laid um, um, a um, very fertile foundation for the work that you do as the founder and CEO of Intentional Intervention. The credentials are there, as my girl Reese would say, um, this is not cosmetics. Uh, uh, Reese Colbert of Black Women Views would say that this is not cosmetic. She wrote a wonderful piece on that. This is credentials and talking about um, our now VP, um, Madam Kamala, um, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris. You, ma'am, um, are not cosmetics. You have absolutely the credentials. You um, have your advanced degrees specifically in early childhood education, curriculum development, you are a certified reading specialist, um, 21 years that you bring with you. And in addition to that, you have the knowledge base around social emotional development. You mentioned yourself, you are very much so invested in human growth and development with relationships to early childhood education. Yes. Uh, so talk with us about um, your firm. And when we think about the word intervention, I know if you had kind of like a word cloud, one of the immediate um, or a pictorial, um, one of the immediate things I would think about is struggle, right? And so that was that would be one of the words as well. But I would, in my mind, I would think about someone who has an addiction um, that is really battling to try to overcome that. So struggle, overcoming. Those are some of the things that I think about when I think about the word intervention. But what your firm does is so diverse. Um, It is so broad. So talk to us about intentional intervention, its genesis, and the services that you all offer and who your ideal customer is. Um, Thank you, Erica, for laying that segue there. So intentional intervention um, was birthed out of my passion for equity. So that is another huge, huge monumental um, uh, platform that I stand on is equity for all children. And that is why intervent- intentional intervention is 
um, an amazing consulting firm because it is not just centered around. And I love that you were being so honest with that, Erica, because that is about process. We think intervention, we think of the struggler, we think of the person that has an addiction, we think of the one that, quote, air quote, just can't get right. But that is not what we focus on. We focus on equity and education for all children and for all of our parents. We pride ourselves on sharing the process with you, parent, so that you are able to efficaciously go to your child's school or either um, any other educational uh, programming there that they are involved in. And you are well equipped that you um, have your weapons to be able to make sure that you are advocating the right way for your child. I spent about four years being a MTSS coordinator. And what that means is I was able to help serve the school district around making sure that students receive multi-tiered support services. And that was not just for our struggling students. This intervention for our consulting firm focuses on whatever the present level of performance is and how we can accelerate. That is what we do. So if you are um, the parent of a child that has some deficits and you've noticed those deficits definitely shift because we have been in a different type of educational form um, due to the global pandemic, absolutely, we're here to serve you and consult with you and to make sure you have the right tools, you and your child, to be able to have that upward mobility. If your child is gifted, we are absolutely here for you as well, because a lot of times, and I don't want to use absolution terms, but our gifted children are left out of the equation because we have an assumption that our children will just be okay. I use the example when I do talk to clients and parents, oftentimes about me and my sisters, very smart, um, gifted in AP classes, uh, graduated high honors. However, that does not mean that we did not still need support with other areas in education. Um, but people often just take that qualifier and then those children never get the true acceleration or enrichment needed. So we are here for that as well. We're here also for the tier four service of our special education children. So um, we look at education in tiers and all children are in tiers. There is... Um, there's a structure in place to make sure that each child is served with all of the tools that they need to be served with. So with our consulting firm, we leave no child out. We make sure all children are equitably able to access what they need for their next phase of learning. So I'm so excited about the work that we're going to do for our children. And as I said, it is for all students. I'm super excited about how we are going to reach our parents and make sure our parents are in the mix and they know what they can do at home and they know how they can use these tools to further make sure their children get into the right educational programming. So we are definitely not a one size fits all, but we are definitely here to make sure all children get into the sizes that they fit in. I so love that you do that. Um, and I love that you broke out specifically that um, to break up the pictorial, the word cloud of what the services that you all provide for in thinking about also that gifted student. And though they may seem that, hey, they kind of take care of themselves, there are areas um, in some ways that they can be better served and that they could be served um, as well. So um, thank you for sharing that with us. And so we know that you're going to be back with us um, here so in just a couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. And so I just want to say again, if you're just tuning in, this is Kim Jones, 
would love for you to engage with her. So we're going to talk about social media um, contact and how you can get in, um, connected with her. But also, if you have a question that you would like for her to directly answer, she's going to be guest co-hosting um, on the Reframe Brain coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Um, and I believe that date exactly is June the 20th. That's yes. on a Monday. Um, so get your questions in. Um, you will send them to the reframed brain at gmail.com. Again, that's the reframed brain at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. Um, and if you would like to get our newsletter, reframebrain.com. And so um, if you would share with us, Kim, before we close out, how can people connect with you um, and procure your services? And do you have any upcoming events that you'd like to share? Or if you want to wait until um, when you will be co-hosting, you're more than welcome to share those events at that time. Yeah, so I'm really excited, Erica. We have a lot of things that are on the horizon for intentional intervention. Um, so wanted to be able to share that we do have an email, intentionalintervention7 at gmail.com. Also, my LinkedIn um, profile click is also a great way to be able to get in touch with us as well. Um, also want to state that exciting enough on June 20th, we are going to be absolutely launching our website, um, being very, very detailed and methodical about how we are going to be serving you as the community and ensuring that all of those pieces are put together so that it is a seamless foolproof process. So we'll be launching on that day. So really exciting. We'll have some great prizes for those who just are on there clicking on us and just kind of going through some general consulting pieces as we walk through that. Um, also, Erica want to also say here on the Reframe Brain for my beautiful Reframe Brain family that on July 30th, we are going to have a huge virtual event in which we are going to be teaching our parents how to prepare for this upcoming school year. Um, because of recent events, we'll be talking about emotionality. Um, we'll be talking about ways to be able to socially speak with your child in a safe way that is not intrusive and that is not... Um, what we call kind of foreshadowing where you're predicting how your child will respond. And so you pretty much kind of pre-record your questions, which is what we don't want to do. We want to be able to sit in the present moments. That is so important. That is why I love our Reframe Brain podcast because we're constantly reminded that it's one beautiful breath at a time. And that does insist upon being present and being mindful and not trying to be too futuristic or too much of, um, one that is thinking back on what you should do. And so um, that is going to be a very exciting event. And we are looking forward to that. It's going to be something that is open nationwide. We will not just um, pretty much just try to coddle it to just our Georgia family, but we want all people to be able to listen and get on. So that information will also be on LinkedIn in the coming weeks. And so we are just so happy to serve the community with equity. So excited for June 20th, as many as can, please, please send those questions in. And even if we don't have all time that time permits, we will make sure that we are still answering those through the newsletter and through other um, forms of social media. Love, love, love that. And congratulations on the lunch that is happening on June 20th. Congratulations, yes. Intentional Intervention. Um, will you be sharing that um, website link with us on that, um, that yes. time? Okay, perfect. So we'll have that for you all. Very excited. Her LinkedIn is Kim Jones. You'll see this same beautiful face. And if you happen to be listening to us, if you go in the show notes, um, her LinkedIn uh, um, profile is provided for you in the show notes so that you can connect with Kim Jones. So 
Um, Kim, thank you so very much for gracing us. You are a proud community member of the Reframe Brain. She reads her newsletter. She listens to the podcast, watches the podcast, and shares it out. And um, also, uh, Kim Jones is my sister. <laughs> I know some of you have guessed that. Some of you already do it. If you know me on a more personal level, but this is one of my baby sisters. I can say very confidently that from the time Kim literally entered into the world, um, our mother is an educator as well, um, retired presently. Uh, however, um, she followed my mom. Um, well, my mom, I think at the time was teaching kindergarten. And so she would bring her curriculum books home and things of that nature. And Kim was literally one step behind her. And her first student was our youngest sister. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we are a military family. And so wherever we were stationed, Kim always had a utility closet, be it the laundry room that was set up to teach. And she was very serious. She gave report cards. She has always, always, always known who she was, and we're so grateful um, that you have you captured who you were and have offered that. She has won numerous awards, Teacher of the Year, you name it, but she walked strongly in what she was uh, put into the earth to be. So uh, as a sister, um, as somebody who absolutely loves and honors you as a wonderful friend, also, um, in addition to being blood related, uh, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful, wonderful star with all of us and for making thousands of students, thousands of parents, caregivers, community leaders, and colleagues much better because you were unselfish with that. And we look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you so much, sister. And I am looking forward to it as well. Reframe Brain, I look forward to your questions. I look forward to just being with you all um, on June 20th. And I am absolutely elated. Yes. So again, send those questions for Kim to answer directly. She'll really have charges to show um, here in a couple of weeks. So again, that address to send uh, your questions um, run the gamut. You've heard her resume. You've heard her talk about what she does. Um, send those questions to the reframed brain at gmail.com. And if you are, even if you have a little one, I mean, like a toddler, a little one, um, maybe your baby is six months old. Listen, wonderful, wonderful is that person who prepares. So send your questions. Um, to Kim. Um, so you can be thinking, um, if you're already thinking about some of the things that maybe you need to be doing to help shape their mind um, for excellent outcomes as it relates to education, the reframed brain at gmail.com. Listen, thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you for 1000 downloads. Thank you for six months with the reframed brain. And again, if you want our newsletter, we do that uh, the first Monday of the podcast uh, to share with you who's the feature. And then at the end of the month, we have a Friday Rewind that showcases both of our guests that we've had, or in this case, it'll be one guest 
go to thereframebrain.com so you can get on our email list and get some goodies while you're at it. Thank you for tuning in. Wish you well. And remember, we do this work one beautiful, what is it, Kim? Breath at a time. One beautiful breath at a time. Thank you so much for connecting and joining. We'll see you here in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you.